Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How does a Latter-day Saint know if a source about their church's history is reliable? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at some articles that are found in the July 2020 edition of Ensign Magazine. In yesterday's show, we were talking about an article that was written by Kate Holbrook, who works with the Church History Department. And the question that she tried to answer was, why isn't the church more open about some of the controversial things in its history? And today we're going to look at another question just across the page on page 15 of the July issue. How do we know if a source about church history is reliable? Now, we've been talking about this because, first of all, to have such questions being raised now seems quite interesting because the church has, at least since 2013, made, I think, a pretty good effort at trying to be more honest and transparent about its history. And we mentioned specifically this week the Gospel Topics Essays. The Gospel Topics Essays came out in 2013, but we also mentioned that in 2010, Marlon K. Jensen and Richard E. Turley were two historians that were sent to Stockholm, Sweden, to answer the question that some of the Swedish members of the LDS Church had regarding their history. How does this all tie in? Well, obviously, back in 2010, a lot of the questions that were being asked by members in Sweden were the very same questions that we were hearing here in the United States, questions that we have been hearing for many, many years. The Church comes out with these Gospel Topics essays as an effort to answer these questions, which is why we find the title to Ms. Holbrook's article to be quite strange. Why isn't the Church more open about some of the controversial things in its history? Well, according to Quentin L. Cook, and I might mention that these two articles that are sandwiched in between this article by Quentin L. Cook, who is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, his article is titled, Church History, A Source of Strength and Inspiration. And Eric, you had mentioned that Cook talks about the fact that as being a general authority in the church for over 24 years, he said that he felt that the brethren, the leaders of the church, have tried to be as transparent as possible. But the examples he gives on page 13 are all things that have come in the last few years. He mentions the Joseph Smith papers, gospel topics, essays, church history topics, and the multi-volume saints. He said that's a wonderful way of getting people to study things in context that are true, and that will help them understand the gospel of Jesus Christ in a credible way. But the question I raised yesterday is, why only in the last 10 years have we seen a concerted effort to be more transparent, and almost like a rush to get these things published and out so that people could read them? But for many years, it seems like 
not much was being said on issues such as seer stones and other controversial topics within the church. Well, let's take one of those topics, and that was a topic that was brought up by Kate Holbrook in her article. She talks about how she learned that Brigham Young was a practicing polygamist when she was as young as four years old. She said that her mother and her grandmother worked at the Beehive House. I would assume that they worked there as tour guides. You and I, Eric, have been to the Beehive House several times. And sometimes they do tend to mention the fact that Brigham Young was a practicing polygamist, and some other tours you take, they don't mention it at all. But she said that it was about 10 years later, or when she was 14, was when she learned that Joseph Smith had many wives. And in this series, we were talking about how many Latter-day Saints did not know that Joseph Smith was a practicing polygamist. And what's fascinating about that is we mentioned the two historians, Marlon K. Jensen and Richard Turley, who were a part of that Swedish rescue as it's come to be known. But there was an article in Reuters titled Special Report, Mormonism Besieged by the Modern Age. And it told the story about a religious studies class that took place in late 2011 at Utah State University in Logan, Utah. And who was there to speak? Mormon elder Marlon Jensen, the same Marlon Jensen who was there in Stockholm, Sweden for the Swedish rescue in 2010. This article starts off by describing a question that was given by a woman who was in the audience, a question that was raised to Mr. Jensen, asking if the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints knew that members are, quote, leaving in droves. He said they did know this, that we are aware was his answer. But in talking about this transparency, something came out in this Q&A, I'm assuming, where Marlon Jensen says this, My own daughter, Jensen then added, has come to me and said, quote, Dad, why didn't you ever tell me that Joseph Smith was a polygamist? Now, this is the daughter of, at this time, the church historian. Jensen is no longer the church historian, but he was at this time. And he was also the church historian at the time that he and Turley spoke in Stockholm, Sweden. His own daughter did not know that Joseph Smith was a polygamist, but yet we're given the impression, according to Quentin L. Cook, that the church has been very transparent, at least for 24 years, according to what he says on page 13 of his article titled Church History, A Source of Strength and Inspiration. Bill, I want to go to the article on page 15. I want to come back to uh, Jensen in the Swedish rescue we talked about yesterday. But first, I want to read the, the first paragraph of the answer given by a church employee. His name is Matt Grow, And the question again is, how do we know if a source about church history is reliable? Here's what he writes. I've worked for the church for the past nine years writing about history. I've seen the attitude of our general authorities with relationship to our history. The conversations are not about how do we hide or censor history. Rather, the conversations are about how do we make history accessible, available, and understandable. Then he goes on in the second paragraph and he talks about the importance of discerning between good answers and bad answers, good information and bad information. Third paragraph, he writes this, Be careful about sources of information that just seek to tear people down. 
Look instead for sources of information that are based on the records left by the people themselves and that seek to be fair to them. Bill, I want to say it almost seems like the church so long has poisoned the well, saying that any sources outside of its own cannot be trusted. And we were talking yesterday about the 2010, what's called the Swedish Rescue. It was a fireside with about 600 Latter-day Saints, and they were pretty agitated because they were finding things out that they did not know, and they said the church never taught. So two church historians come and try to address these issues, and there was a tape recorder. This actually got taped, and so this is exactly what Jensen is talking to these people and says, when they're asked if they could go and check the references he's talking about, this is what he says. We've brought a handout for you. These are the five very best websites for authentic answers to those questions. We're not sure. Could they be apologetic websites like perhaps Farms and Fair and uh, others that have written that are not official with the church? And we should mention that Farms, the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, has been renamed as the Neil Maxwell Institute. But they do have a website and they do respond to controversial issues within Mormon history and doctrine. He goes on and he criticizes the Swedish saints. He says, let me just say, if you spend as much time on these five websites as you spend on the other websites that he's giving them, because I have visited, as has Brother Turley, some of these anti-Mormon websites, and they're very dark to me. And Brother Turley and I know many of the people who maintain these websites, and I can say to you, they're not the people whose teachings I'm going to follow. Bill, I ask you, by him saying this, now this is the information they're getting, probably from quote-unquote, I don't like the word, anti-Mormon websites. They're finding out the truth. The church has to say, well, yeah, those things are true. We just didn't quite get all the information out publicly as much as these anti-Mormons, but don't go there because they're dark. Is this not a classic definition of poisoning the well? It certainly seems like it, and it's not anything unusual when, when you look at some of the statements that have been made in general conference messages. How many times have Mormon leaders gotten up in general conference and warned people about the internet and to be careful what sites you go to? What they're trying to get their people to do is to stay away from anything that might paint the Mormon church in a bad light. When Jensen says they're very dark, well, what does that mean? It it could mean anything, really, when you think about it, because what could make you feel bad inside? Well, if you're reading something that seems to conflict with what you already believe to be true, you're not going to feel all giddy about it, that's for sure. You're going to realize what I've been believing is not accurate, and I'm going to be compelled, if I'm an honest person, to make a course correction in what I believe. What I'm reading from is from our website, mrm.org slash fireside with the hyphen in between. I want to go a little further. I'm going to skip some and go back to Jensen when he's talking back and forth with these Swedish members. And he says, 
by and large, and I'd like you to know that as a church history department, we have at President Boyd K. Packer's direction put together a committee to create answers to difficult gospel questions. We are working on these answers now, and we're also giving thought to how we will disseminate these answers to the world. We don't want a website where people come to Mormon problems, obviously, but you'll find, if you go to these websites, answers that you can rely on to almost all your questions, including Adam God. Bill, I have to mention, I typed in Adam God just to see what the churchofjesuschrist.org would say about that. Not one mention is made of Adam God, and, and that issue was not included in the Gospel Topics essays. But let me just say, what he's saying here is that they had to scramble in 2010, and yet we have a quote here by Mr. Cook. Apostle Cook says, in the 24 years he had served, he has seen that they've tried to be totally transparent. Why are they having to come up with all of these answers to questions that did not just originate in 2010? These are questions that have been around for many years. The thing that I find interesting is that when Matt Groh asked the question on page 15, how do we know if a source about church history is reliable? He doesn't really answer the question. You would think it would be reliable if it was truthful. If it was truthful, Who cares if it may tend, as he says, to tear people down? If that's a part of history, then that needs to be taken into account. You can't just ignore it just because you feel it's not treating somebody as nicely as you would like them to be treated. If it's an accurate appraisal of what an individual did or what an individual said, then that needs to be accepted. And those those saints from before 2010, they had to rely on sites like ours to be able to know what exactly the church was teaching. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.